What's going on, guys and gals? It's 8-Bit Ray from the Gorilla Brain Podcast, and you are listening to the Geek World All-Star Podcast Network. Basically, you know. any anytime somebody needs to find me at work, they say, oh, just look for the look for the dragons. Hey, John, would you like to tame my dragon? <laughs> no. <laughs> we just got our pre-roll. Cool. Welcome to the continued podcast adventures of Superhero Speak. But I think many of the people that love this character and that love superheroes in general have used these stories as inspiration to say, you know what? I'm going to do something good in the world. I'm going to make a difference like my hero when I was a kid. That is my fondest memory of it because when, you, when you're doing comic books, you want them to affect people. Right. You want people to care. You want, you want to strike emotions. And I knew that that clone saga was striking a lot of emotions. Can you yeah. imagine uh, Pulp Fiction starring Goofy and uh, Mickey Mouse? I can totally imagine that. <laughs> I'm no sure somebody's written that one pounder with cheese and friends, Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Boy, ale with cheese, Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> I can totally See? I, I, would, I would watch the hell out of that movie. Yes, I gladly saw, sacrifice that my, my progeny to you of a mighty Marvel beast. <laughs> <laughs> but Neil Adams is somewhere going, hmm? it's, uh, it's my time. Uh... <laughs> How do you measure success? Hey, everyone. You're listening to Superhero Speak, and I'm your host, Dave. You see the videos on? I'm already not paying attention. Uh, and, jo- <laughs> and it's John. I'm JD, and for the first time, we're recording on Zoom. <laughs> mm-hmm. so yes. you, can, you can all tell us how we sound or if we do not sound uh, for that matter. And the gang's all here for the first time in three weeks. <laughs> Hey, I had jury duty last week. Yeah, Did you get yeah, in the, yeah. get in the hanging? No, no, no. Um, I, it was a lot of sitting around and and then them walking in telling us, okay, we've got our jurors. Goodbye. You're done. So it was, it was literally for, for not, for two days of waiting for, for nothing. Hmm. Usually how it works. I did hear some really bad stories. What kind of crime was it? Hmm? What kind of crime was it? I, I don't know. They, I, didn't, oh. I never got to that point. They 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 were asking questions, but they didn't tell us what it was about. It's not a lie. No, it said it was a murder. Oh yeah, yeah. nine year old murdered his great grandmother for the insurance money. See, you could have had a lot of fun. Look, I, I I know your books are dark, but you don't have to add the plots <laughs> to reality for that. Uh, so that's what you've been up to, huh, John? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Nice segue. Yes, very good. <laughs> How about you, JD? Anything exciting since last week? My wife and kid are gone for a week, so I've got the whole house to myself. I'm doing nothing but working and working out. It's great. I love life. <laughs> I've gotten so much done in the last three days. It's crazy. I'm telling you, a little bit longer, and that gets very, very boring. Oh, I know. Quick. Oh, I get it. I get it. I miss my kid. Don't get me wrong. I miss my wife, too. We had a Facebook, um, FaceTime conversation already. Like, that's why it's special. It's like I told her, I said, for a week, this is the best. Longer than a week, and I'm pathetic and lonely. So stay yeah. safe. Yes. Now you know how John and I feel. Yeah. Try four I, years of it. <laughs> um, My mouth is can't talk. It, it's also funny how you had just talked about a nine-year-old, you know, killing his mother for the insurance money, and then you said your wife and son were gone. I'm just saying. I'm not nine. Oh, well, that's true. Not mentally, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I could see in a few more years Andy plotting something like that. He's pretty devious. <laughs> He's a shady little bastard. Nice. Uh, uh, The love we have for our children. I love him. He's just shady. 
yeah no and that's uh yeah and i haven't been up to much either um you know uh i was sad i was saddened this past week as um i think most people in our age range probably were uh with the passing of eddie van halen yeah i I was gonna say about which it's freaking 2020 there's like three of those a week now (laughs) yes 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 but i mean this was like it it was so weird because like what was it uh like a few years ago they said that he had cancer and then he had an operation and, and he was fine. And then all of a sudden last year, like they said that the cancer was back and it was like a blip and then you didn't hear anything, you know, obviously you kept everything very private. And then the news broke. It was like, Oh, well that when I was, sucks. when I was in high school, it was all rush kiss and Van Halen. That was it. Like that. Those were the bands that people were, were listening throughout like most of high school. And well, beyond that, obviously, but like I, I, it, yeah, it, it's, I, I guess I'm at that age and Dave, you're pretty much the same where <laughs> all these people that you've grown up, grown up with and, you know, read stories about and hear, hear about every once in a while and have like basically formed your entire childhood are starting to drop off now. And you're kind of mm-hmm. like, Oh, Oh wow. Okay. This is what the parents went through back then. I, uh, my, the first concert that I went to with just my friends, you know, like my parents trusted me to, to go by myself was uh van halen for the uh, for unlawful carnal knowledge tour wow in 92 so right now yes right now pound cake uh run around yeah they were the big hits off that album so good album yeah and uh and of course i was 15 at the time and uh of course my parents shouldn't have trusted me me and my friends were all drinking before and after the show (laughs) so you know Hopefully they don't. Hopefully my mom doesn't listen to this podcast. Uh, but yeah, that, that would make three subscribers. Oh, um, but yeah, and it's it's funny too. It's just tough, you know. And it's like I I've been on YouTube a lot lately, and it, you watch like one tribute video, and now all of a sudden it's like everything that pops up is an Eddie Van Halen thing, and it's like ah, oh. that's that's the algorithm. <sighs> yes, yeah, but it makes it hard to like you know forget about it for a minute that's true well that's <laughs> that's because the algorithm doesn't want you to forget it wants you to wallow in certain oh, things oh. It, yes. it, it, it wants all of your engagements <laughs> yes uh i don't want to get engaged though so not not to what facebook and youtube are selling no <laughs> no well speaking of uh the internet and it's being evil and watching everything you do let's do a little social media madness well you did say Uh, evil yes (laughs) um so john before we get into this actually you weren't here last week and we and we picked our we did our top five favorite villains of all time from uh from any genre didn't just have to be comics so so real quick why don't you give us like one or two of your favorite villains of all time your five favorite high high and tie characters My favorite villains? Uh oh, well no I mean if if I say if I say Tim Curry, that's probably gonna fill out all five. <laughs> there you Tim, go. <laughs> I mean <laughs> I mean from, from the whale in Monk to um to uh Home Alone to I mean you you name it and he's probably played it even in cartoons. Um he, geez, he, there was that he was my about, what's that? He was my number one. Yeah. Pennywise, the dancing clown. Oh, right. Well, yeah, Pennywise, too. 
there was what was that there was a cartoon um the guy with the the cap uh and the the talking owl, owl but it was the the writing on the cartoon it was it was like mid 80s but the writing was awesome and of course tim curry played the voice of the bad guy and wow i mean he just he just sells everything he's in you know he was really good in too legend you ever see legend oh yeah yeah yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. not that you Douglas. could tell no but he's <laughs> awesome in it yeah and is Frankenfurter a uh, a villain? I would think so. He's at least the antagonist. Yeah. Wow. He's played a lot of villains because he's got that face where he he does really good like bad guy faces and yeah. like voices, and he's super super talented. Well, Doctor Frankenfurter too. Dave literally just said that. <laughs> oh yeah. Sorry. I, I was looking for it's something. Better. You know what? Doing this on Zoom is better when we can actually look at each other. I can actually give John the look of what the <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> What are you doing? I, I was doing research and I missed that one little thing that he said. Ah, Mighty Max. That was it. That was the cartoon. I was I was trying to look it up. So Mighty Max. If you ever oh, get want to check that out, it holds up just because of the writing. All right, all right, all right. Let's uh let's see what our, our fans uh said. <laughs> Yeah, what did they say? SWO Productions uh, said, across all media, probably Dracula. I said that one, too. Yes, you did. Did Tim um, Curry play Dracula? No, I just said, you know, he probably <laughs> should have, to be honest. I didn't say that. I'm shocked that he hasn't. But, yeah, I mean, no. technically, Frankenfurt was kind of, never mind. <laughs> he was um, a Trant, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Evan, the great TVD. Yeah, he's from, that's my guy. He's uh the Villains Demand podcast network. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, going outside the box on this one, I am going to going with Lord Zed from the Power Rangers. Seriously, no, no. Come on, dude. Bring Power Rangers. God, it's like bringing a water gun to a machine gun fight. Oh my goodness, I like or a knife to a gunfight. That that reaction is is priceless. It's why I do this. Um, nerd type thing said Magneto hands down. When he's being written well, he is a complex character with complex motivations. Yes, for all three was... comics where he was written well. Whoa, 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 whoa! Don, we're sorry. Yeah, yeah. I say like you have to answer to Don, not me. Was... That was his number one. So. Well, you didn't say it was Don. I mean, well, you know, well, it was Don's number one because he's you the know, greatest Marvel villain. You, you know, uh, if you actually listen to the podcast you, when he, you weren't on it, you would know this. Is he? Is he really the best though? I don't know. Well, that was Don's number one. So, hmm. so then we actually got a, a a response on Facebook this week, and uh, Alan Daniel said, "Awesome show," and I absolutely agree. The Joker is number one. Who was my number one? And then someone else from Superhero Speak <laughs> chimed in and said, um, JD's list was better. Nice. <laughs> Any of us can control the Facebook account. That's what I learned when responding to that. I actually, and when I realized I was responding to Superhero Speak, I was just like, you know what? I'll just edit this conversation. <laughs> Make it look like Dave wrote it. And then, uh, and then Alan replied, overall, I think JD and Don had better choices going down the list. But number one, Dave nailed it. And I just like hearing that I'm right. Once in a while. <laughs> I like Volsker. Well, we'll give Volsker some credit on that. <laughs> so, so there you go. All right. So that's some of our, our audience's pick for favorite villains. And then... Uh, that was a fun show, actually. It was a good call, Dave. Of course it was fun. I wasn't there. Oh, don't be that way. 
moving on, we of course had talked about uh, John Cena getting his own spinoff for the Suicide Squad, uh, where he will be starring as the Peacemaker. Yeah, I'm still iffy on this one, man. And uh, John Tolini said, "Wow, that outfit is as bad as the 1970s Captain America movie, or the David Hasselhoff Nick Fury." Yeah. The difference is it's supposed to. Right, right. That's one of the things. It's like when you try to go comic accurate, it doesn't translate well all the time. No, but if no, it doesn't. I think they're they're steering into that. They got this big jacked up monster in John Cena in this ridiculous 60s era Kirby knockoff outfit. So they're doing like it's James Gunn. He's doing something. Right, right. But exactly. what the that what's with the hat? I mean, seriously, what purpose does the hat serve? That's all I want. Marketability. Oh. Oh, okay. Like you had to recognize, like <clears throat> those sixties characters is all about being recognizable immediately. Yeah. Exactly. Are you ever going to forget Peacekeeper now? Well, no, as much as I would try. See? But but you're talking like Loki's horns, I guess. Then, right? Like is that in English? I'm sorry. Like Loki's horns. Loki's horns. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, yes. the horns that apparently you know, unless unless you were an Asgardian, you really could not lift your head up with that helmet on. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And it's and that's the thing too, right? Because like if characters who don't have a mask or an, a you know a cowl or anything like that you have to do something to make them instantly recognizable like the helmet thor's helmet and hammer you know nick fury's patch yeah nick fury's eye patch so the gray on uh reed richard's temples yes that's a good example yeah. mm. sue storm is a woman that's what they did they didn't, oh. make, they didn't do anything to make her look she was a blonde woman. That's how they differentiated her. Oh, hitting them with the truth, man. Oh, the truth. <laughs> the truth hurts. Is that is that not what they did? Like, you knew yes. her because she was a woman. Well, yeah, Spider-Woman, you know, because... Didn't exist of, till the 70s, late right, 70s. Yeah, but, I mean, like, because of the poses they put her on, on walls. I mean, that yeah. that's how you recognize her. <sighs> oh, my... Oh God, this is a good. Th- you guys are on fire tonight. Uh, moving on, well, we, we will be when somebody catches up to us. Uh, we had talked about that's uh, not being sexist. That's being that's being truth to what the era was. Yes, yeah. yes. And say it was good. No, yeah, yeah, it was not. <laughs> we uh, we had talked about JD's friend John Wesley Ship uh, has confirmed he will be returning to the Flash for season seven. That I'd like to understand how, considering that they wiped out. Not All Jay Garrick. Jay Garrick's still around. Yeah, Jay oh. Garrick's still around. He played three different parts on it. Um, to which Timothy Jones replied, I really like this show and ship, but I think there's been too many speedsters. They mm. need to slow that down. Boo this man! <laughs> <laughs> Boo! <laughs> you know, there's one thing I can rely on every week. It's for Tim Jones to make the most dad joke ever. Huh. Yes, yes. This is why he was that's why he's the perfect person to be doing like a three strip comic, you know. Yeah, three panel strip, strip. Three panel, they go three panel newspaper strip. Like he's got the perfect sensibilities for it. Yes. But boo all the same. Uh, <laughs> Demon Shadow Walker said, "Hopefully this brings the CBS Flash back to the season." Nah, he did. Yes, he he sacrificed himself. He, he did dead. So yeah, I think that would cheapen it. If yes, exactly. That would cheapen yeah. that that if they brought him back. And uh, James Champagne said, "This one, true and only live action Flash, fight me." <laughs> so, yes, that's. Uh, I agree. I think he is 
probably the best live action Flash. And uh, and see now that now that we can see what JD's doing, he didn't hear what we just said. A puppy had to go outside. Oh, oh okay. Uh, I'll, I'll repeat. James Champagne said the one true and only live action Flash. Fight me. So you should appreciate that he's your friend. I like Grant mm. Gustin. Yeah, that's I, true. I'm sorry, Grant is still like. I mean, he's the closest. I think, I think John will tell you that Grant's the best Flash, but. I mean, John Wesley Shipp is always going to have like a special place in our hearts because like when that came out, it was like, holy crap, the Flash is like live action. And and the effects weren't that bad. I mean, no, it's just no. a special place in my heart that I paid him scale. Oh, uh. <laughs> and then finally, guys, related to the Flash, we got a question from a, a fan on Twitter. Uh, Matthew Meehan asked, superhero speak. How many more seasons do you think The Flash will run? I am a big fan of it, but think it might be time to start thinking about bringing it to a close. Well, he's The Flash, so he's going to run for every season. You know, oh. I was going to make that joke, and I thought, no, too low, too low for even us. And <laughs> Not me. But you brought it home, man, and I got to say, it was too low. Um, uh, Tim, Tim Jones, I expect a guest spot on Sour <laughs> Grapes pretty soon. Um, I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I mean, considering, like... Uh, it, if it weren't for COVID, I'd say it could probably go for another three seasons, given, you know, that the writing hasn't been too bad and they, they're, they're using it pretty much as the backbone for the rest of the, uh, the, the rest of the episodes or the rest of the um, shows now, but uh, given that Arrow's gone, but uh, with COVID uh, playing havoc with everything, um, I don't know how many of them are going to survive for another year, you know? If this goes on for another six months, or or till mid next year without without a vaccine, I, I, I'm I'm thinking we'll start hearing that they're shutting uh, some of these down. I don't think so. They're already back to doing stuff. My friend just finished working on Fargo, and they COVID tested every two days. Where where are they uh, shooting though? That was in Chicago. Really? Mm-hmm. And Illinois, we're pretty we're we're like somewhere in the middle. We're not super strict, but we're not like Florida. You know. Well, I, yeah, well, I guess it depends on where. Like the mid states now are the ones of the hot spots, but uh, I guess the, the states we're right, where, in the hmm? we're right in the middle. Well, I mean, so, I mean, Bible Belt middle. No, yeah, no, know. no. The hot spots are like Wisconsin, Indiana, and Iowa. So we're literally right in the middle. But um, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. Seven seasons is a long time to go. The machine yeah. has to keep moving, though. They're going to, they're going like they're making Batman and Robert Pattinson caught the COVID. They're just going to work through it. Like I don't I'm not saying that's the right way to be. I'm just telling you that's what they're gonna do. Well, right. don't they, they they shoot some of these in uh Canada though? Well, they? that's a different thing. Canada's way I got a buddy in New Brunswick, one of my wrestling buddies, and he was telling me that his province was basically shutting down and they had like 150 cases in a day. And I rolled my eyes and said, Bro, we had three thousand in Illinois yesterday. Like it's just the Canada's it's gonna be harder to shoot in Canada than it will be in the US. That's messed up, I think. I mean, well, I get, I get the reasoning. It's just so weird. Like it's wow. It's just well, okay. So back to the question at hand. Yeah, there's a question. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. so they're 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 going into their seventh season, and right, seven is long. Uh, it is a long time for a show to be on TV anymore. It's long for any show. And it's like, and they're trying to cycle out things as well, right? Like they have but Superman it, coming in. Yeah, but uh, well, and that might be the death knell because they could use the soup as long as the writing is good and that show gets good ratings. 
they could use that as the backbone for the rest of them. And that's, There's, yeah, that's what I was about to get at. It's like, it's also comes down to the writing. Cause I mean, and then you look at like Supergirl's going away after this season, Batwoman is iffy. Like who yeah. knows what's going to happen with the new actress taking over and all that stuff. I think legends is a little too out there. Legends is its own animal. It's, it's like it, it doesn't, it technically doesn't share the same universe, even though it technically it does, is. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I mean, it, they can do anything and it, it, you know, it's a slapstick. It's, and then, right. And then we've got, uh, of course, Arrow is gone. It ended last season. So it's like, right. yeah. So, so, right. Like you have the Flash and hopefully Superman and Lois to, to, to bring more viewers in, but we'll see. Right. But that, that's what I'm saying. When I say backbone, I mean, there's one show of this that oh, yeah, this, yeah, exactly. said, that basically is like the nexus of the other shows. Right. And I think if was, I agree. I think if Flash goes away, these other shows go away. Well, like I said, with with um, Superman, if they do well enough in that, that could serve as the backbone. Right. Um, a, a lot of the characters could migrate there that, you know, that could the legends would visit all the time. And, you know, they could they could make that the the like glue that holds everything else together super glue nah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> that one's for you tim uh, <laughs> oh you're, you boy he's infected our show this week yes yes mr jones has gotten us all all right well on that note boys and girls if you want to know how you can be a part of social media madness here's our good friend d square to tell you more enjoying the show want to be part of social media madness Make sure you are following SuperheroSpeak.com, where you can find all of the show's social media links at the top of the page. While you're there, you can check out old episodes of the podcast, as well as some other great content. Check the site often, because we are posting some great comic reviews, as well as comic book and movie news content every day. Make sure and follow us on Twitter, at SuperheroSpeak. And while you're there, check out the rest of the Geek World All-Stars Podcast Network. You can follow them at stars underscore geek. The Geek World All-Star Podcast Network include great programs such as the Pop Prison Power Podcast, Cult 45, So Wizard, Fans on Patrol, the Gorilla Brain Podcast, and of course, Superhero Speak. Search for hashtag GWAllStars. You will not be disappointed. Now, it's back to Dave and the boys on Superhero Speak. Thank you for that, Don. And now, boys and girls, we are going to take our first commercial break of the evening. So, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. All right, we're back, and now it's time for the news. Um, starting off, we actually had a quite a few previews that came out of New York Metacon this uh, year. Of course, you know, we weren't there because they didn't have it. Um, mm. But the first one... I think we sh- we'll talk about that's the one I forgot and sent the second email about uh, that we're probably all excited about. If you're not, John, I don't know what's wrong with you, but Hulu is bringing back the Animania. This, 
I had tears in my eyes watching this. This was oh like my God. the closest thing I had to a religious experience. <laughs> Whoa. Does your wife know about that? <laughs> She's with me. She's drinking the Kool-Aid. Oh. Children, we're children of the 90s, man. That makes sense. Um, yeah, the Animaniacs, like, well, okay, children of the children of the 90s, uh, but the Animaniacs, Animaniacs also holds a special place in the hearts of people who were old enough to get a lot of the jokes in the Animaniacs. <laughs> like, oh, yes. like they like yes. they, they brought they they had some um caricatures of talent there that ran from the 1920s on. So oh, yeah. like there were some things in there that like I got, but only because I used to get up at 5 a.m. in the morning when I was four years old and watch black and white stuff um before t- in the days before like TV actually was all 24 hours and they would fill like the morning hours with just really old movies and old series. So um, yeah, it, I, I can't wait to see this. Um, so there's I this just, one, there's this one where they're yak, wacka, uh Yeah. It was Yakka looks to whack was dust for Prince and uh, dot picks up Prince. <laughs> and she goes, yes. no fingerprints. And she says, Oh, oh yeah. Oh. And she drops him. Like, yeah, hilarious. Yes, there are so many jokes that go way over your head so, until you're old enough to get them, and you're like, "Whoa, they did that!" I was twelve or thirteen, so I got that one, but it was a favorite. <laughs> oh um, man, yeah, and I love the promo, like making it like a Jurassic Park parody, and beautiful. Uh, yes, um, I hope they bring Slappy back. Slappy was one of my favorite. Slappy is good. There, actually, I'll say that their version of Who's on First they did with the bands is better than the Abbott and Costello one because it's actually based on, no, it's based on real bands. Like no, the Abbott and Costello thing, you have to like kind of, you have to have like a huge suspension of disbelief to assume an entire team has these names. Mm. They're using the names of actual bands. This is true. This is true. Like, and I know it might be a bit blasphemous, but I'll, I'll, that's a sword I'm willing to die on. Sword I'm willing to die. Sure. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Hill. It, it, it was the best homage to the Abbott and Costello routine ever. And then, uh, and oh, then, of yeah. course, the thing they say right near the end of the, the promo, and Pinky in the Brain. Yes, of course, you have so. you can't do it without Pinky in the Brain. Damn it, people just, still people still quote them. I just showed Andy Pinky in the Brain for the first time, and he needed me to explain in thorough detail what is wrong with these mice. <laughs> Why are they trying to take over the world? Why is that one's head so big? What does Narf mean? <laughs> <laughs> This is a, it was a far more in-depth discussion on Pinky in the Brain that I thought was necessary. <laughs> but, you know, it's four. You went over the Tao of, of Nart, Nart. The Tao the uh, of Narf. The, God, the Tao of Narf, right. <laughs> Narf. Oh, my God. Uh, so, so, needless to say, I think we're all looking forward to this return. So, um, yeah, cool. Yeah. Narf! <laughs> Speaking of things that are going to be on Hulu... Uh, we got our first sneak peek at Modoc, which is a very hmm, how do I put this? Why would you do Modoc? <laughs> it's it's a very um not adult swim. What's the sh- what's the show I'm thinking of? Uh, uh are you thinking of uh Space Ghost Coast to Coast? No, 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 no. The show that's on Adult Swim, the uh, with the puppets and the or the dolls. Robot Chicken. Robot Chicken. It's very robot chicken-ish. It is very robot chicken. Um yeah, uh I don't know what did, did like so, so what did you did you watch it John what did you think I no I didn't get to I didn't get to watch it I, oh my goodness what? this is why do we pay you 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 don't pay me dude. I was oh, gonna say oh. you get paid 
<laughs> okay, JD, what did you think? Night in um, scale. Honestly, I think it's a poor man's robot chicken. I mean, like yeah. I like Patton Oswald and stuff like that. I may check it out, but it does look, it just looks like robot chicken to me. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It was like a uh, a rip off of that in a way. And they're just kind of giving you some lazy uh, jokes, you know, and it's just like. Oh, you yeah, know what? Eh. Not what I expected. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm watching, you know, you know what it's actually more like? Um, Super Mansions. As, yeah. I never saw that one. In fact, it's I I I'm looking at this and it looks like they actually used some of the models from Super Mansion. Possibly, I'll bet, you, I'll bet you anything they did that. I will I will take your word for it. Oh, Super Mansion's hysterical. You should you should see it. Yes, yes, and I but that's one of Brian, the things. Brian too. Cranston's one of the main characters in it. Oh, okay. The thing with <laughs> the thing with Super Mansion is, um, it's all different characters. It's all its own characters, so you don't have any baggage when you go into it. True. Whereas, like with this, you know, if you're a Marvel fan, you know who Modok and Aim are, and it's just like, eh, it's like, I don't know. We'll That's how see. I feel about Lego Star Wars. I don't think it works. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. I don't like Lego Star Wars all that much. Lego Lego Batman works because it's not really Batman, you know? Right. Lego Star Wars is not not as funny, so it doesn't really quite hit as well, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. All right. All right. We get to get another. Uh, a pre- first look at um, so everyone knows The Walking Dead. They all know Kirkman for creating it, but you know he created a superhero comic as well, Invincible. And uh, there's going to be an Invincible cartoon coming out. Um, it doesn't look bad. I don't know. Do you like Invincible? Do you like? Do you guys like Invincible? Did you read Invincible? I I think I have the first issue, and that's hot, it. Okay, hot JD, hot, hot takes JD here. Invincible is Kirkman's best book. Really? Which, I like what imprint was it? Image. He did this. Image, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It just like uh, he did it the same time as Walking Dead started. Like I think they both started in three. Like I love this book. I love Invincible. Like I kind of fell out with it um, probably a few years before it ended, mainly because I would buy the big omnibuses and I, j- I just got poor, so I couldn't afford them. <laughs> um, but I'm very excited to see this as a cartoon. Like they look like. I believe it was Ryan Otley was the artist on that. I mean, it looks like his designs. Like, it looks to me in the spirit of Invincible. And, like, it's got one of the be- – see, Invincible has one of the best, like – I think it's the end of the first trade. You find out that his father is evil, that Omni-Man is actually not Superman. He's actually a dark Superman character. And it's a great reveal. And from that point on, it really is – a. it's – as good as the early Spider-Mans as far as telling the story of a teen superhero. And unlike, unlike Spider-Man, they let him kind of grow up a little bit. And Mm -hmm. because it's the same creative team the whole time, it really works. And you really get this big picture of Mark Grayson's life from the time he becomes a superhero to becomes a dad himself and, and Omni-Man's rehabilitation. It's really, really good. Like walking dead gets all the love from the Kirkman folks, but I think invincible is the better story. And I'm very excited to watch the show. This one I will watch. Yeah, no, and I, I'm I'll definitely check it out. And I, I'm actually kind of glad they're doing it as a cartoon. Um, I don't know why. I just it just feels like it works better It'll that be a way. Fortune. This cartoon would be an absolute fortune. And it's super suit. My this is my theory being Robert Kirkman super violent. Yeah. Mm. Well, so, yeah, we know that they couldn't do that on Amazon in live action. Could yeah, they? but with super. <laughs> no, it's different. This I mean, this isn't as like. The boys. Like, no, the boys is kind of like it's mean spirited. I, I can't think of the word for it right now, but it's, it kind of makes fun of superheroes. Like you're, 
the, the boys makes me feel like I'm stupid for liking superheroes. And that's what all these hot takes are saying like, oh, this the boys is going to change the way people think about superheroes. <laughs> no, it's not. So, but that's what these, that's what these dumbasses that think they're smarter are writing about right now. Like it's shit that was about Alan. Uh, yeah. It's not that people were Alan Moore in 86, but like, whereas invincible, it doesn't make fun of superheroes. It, lo- it unabashedly loves superheroes. Right. And I don't know if that level of violence with um, that type of tone would work in a, a live action series. I think you're right. I think animation gives it some more leeway. Right, right. And that's the whole thing is that I feel like they kind of would sit there and go, you'd see the violence and people would want it to go down that road. Right. And it's not, I mean, like you can say it's violent, but it's not violent for the sake of violent. It's mm-hmm. not, there's no cynicism in Invincible. It's just a superhero story that takes some Robert Kirkman-esque terms. And Mark gets his just thoroughly beaten several times. Like yeah. nasty beaten and bloody. So I mean it's gonna be again, it works on Prime for a cartoon. I'm I'm super excited for this one. Um did you watch it, John? What, the the preview? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And and are you gonna check it out? Yes. It looks it looks interesting. And uh, I mean I've got some image comics downstairs. I wasn't really that into it, but I did get a few a few issues, and I knew he looked familiar. I just couldn't remember until I asked now. So, so this comes out. This kind of came out in the dark days of Image, those early two thousands, mm-hmm. like post boom, where they weren't doing a lot of great stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like Kirkman's work really kind of. I mean, aside from like you know, your Spawn and your Savage Dragon, like Kirkman's stuff really kind of keeps Image you know, so, viable. So I was at a convention when this came out, and what he was there signing and. His banner behind him was invincible, you know, and and he was all excited about it and whatnot. And that's I'm pretty sure that's why I bought it so I could get him to sign it and uh, being honest. And then it was like two years later, maybe I see medic and everything's walking dead, walking dead, walking dead. Like and he's still doing invincible, but that's the book like everyone was talking about. So. Yeah, you're right. This got pushed to the side. So that's why I want to check out the cartoon. He didn't, I mean, like, to be fair, like, he didn't treat it. Like, he never handed it off. Like, I believe Robert Kirkman writes every issue. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, you got to ride the hot pony. And, and Walking Dead was a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. All right. This next one was just for you, JD. I know that you've been looking forward to this. The Stand coming to, uh, is it Amazon? No, no. No, CBS. CBS, CBS All Access. Um what did you think? I don't really. It's funny because I told you how much I loved um, Randall Flag. Uh huh. I don't really like the stand all that much. <laughs> that is coming. <laughs> I, just, I, I had this feeling. Um, it's not a good ending. The ending is really corny. Like it's a lot. I don't know. Like it's not a. It's not a bad book by any stretch of the imagination. Um, the end really loses me. Like the hand of God has to come down and catch a nuclear weapon. Yeah, I mean that's how it ends. Like it's not. It. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's not a. It's not a great ending. Like it's it's a it's kind of a cop. And this is against Stephen King and his cocaine years. So I mean, there's some there's some stuff that that make that slips through the cracks. Um, did you? I mean, it looks okay. It looks fine. I think Whoopi Goldberg as Mother Abigail's good kid casting. Um, I don't know. I didn't love the it's, 1994 one. It, it it is one of those things, and we talked about this before. And again, like you said, it, it goes through that time and in, in uh stephen king's life when he was writing stuff like this and yet it still held up as like one of the greatest books and i yeah you're I, right I, it mystifies me it's not my favorite of his i think he's got much better i, I really believe it but it's considered i mean probably because it's his first epic work like yeah 
or I think it's his fourth novel and it's a thousand pages or something like that. I mean, it's like, it, it, I wouldn't call it high. I mean, I would call it, it starts out as a horror book and then turns into like a post-apocalyptic fantasy story. It's just, so you know, so the, that's the, he was taking more and more cocaine as it went along. Or? He did take more and more, but it's true. A lot of cocaine. Um, I don't know. Like I said, it's not my favorite. I think that uh, the flag characters is much better used in the Dark Tower books, personally. Yeah. But uh, I mean, am I, and am I going to see it? No, I don't have CBS All Access, and this doesn't motivate me. I don't really <laughs> want to watch. And this thing too is, I really, I don't want to watch a, a miniseries about a giant global pandemic when we're in the middle of a giant global pandemic. Yeah, That's, this was kind of timing. Timing sucks, but timing. Some, but at the same time, like I, I look at my Amazon charts all the time. Like pandemic fiction is going through the roof right now. It boggles my mind so, that people want to read. Oh about yeah, and the, and the movies too. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to read about it, but I mean. I guess some people feel more strength that they can read about fictionalized versions where we, we beat it or something. I don't know. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You're, you're right. It's, it is odd. And, um, and, and you're right. It's one of those things where this is being created to draw people to the channel. And if it's not going to draw a Stephen King fan to the channel, that's me though. I think most Stephen King fans hold this up as like one of his best works, especially from his, his early period. Like I do think it's going to get, because I'm in a Stephen King um, Facebook group, and uh, there are people there that are excited. There are people that are going to watch. I'm just not going to be one of them. I mean, that's just it, it's not my favorite story of his. I watched it. I watched both versions of it over the weekend and loved him. Like this yeah. one, mm, not for me. All right. Well, I'm not going to get CBS All Access for this either. So yeah, there's not a big seller for CBS Access. That's- so so we're going to ask any of our fans out there who have CBS All Access when it comes out. Let us know what you think, and uh, and maybe copy it for us. Oh, I I mean, uh, how do you do that in this day and age? I don't know. That's a good question. You get a splitter, and then a well, okay. <laughs> um, so we so this last one, this last preview that uh, that I brought up, it's it's something that's been talked being talked about for a while, but it kind of flew under my radar, which I'm shocked. And I was invited to a press panel on Saturday for the New York Metacon. Uh, with the cast of Death in the Family, Batman Death in the Family, that comes out Tuesday, so it'll be yesterday as you're listening to this. And um, what's interesting about it is it's the same voice cast as Under the Red Hood, which came out, what was it, five years ago? Yeah, it's been a while. And um, But this one, they're doing something different. It's a choose-your-own-adventure-style movie. So you get to make choices like, does uh, Robin die? Does Robin escape his own death? Or does Batman save him? And then the story progresses based on the choices you make while you're watching it. Um, just it was, just like the original comic kind of gave people the, the choice between whether he should live or die. Not, not having um, been introduced to the internet age where we know what a general populace is always going to choose... <laughs> When given a choice, which is basically the most nihilistic choice you can give, and then times it by cancer. So, uh, um, well, there's there is some interesting controversy around that. Uh, the and correct me if I'm wrong, but I've heard this a couple from a couple people. Like they had a phone in poll where you called and you chose if Jason Todd lived or died. However, there's never been any art revealed of him living. No, I think there is. I think I think that's incorrect. I think I'm mm. almost positive there's at least I've, I think I've seen 
Because it was Jim Aparo, right, that drew it? Yeah. Give me a second. Jim oh, Aparo. okay. Keep talking. I'm going to Google. So, so okay. But anyway, it's interesting. It's it's kind of like combining the idea of video games and, and entertainment. Um, and this is this has been done a couple of things in the past I've seen. You know, like you can, while you're watching it, you make choices and stuff. But I don't know if I want to put the commitment into watching something like that. Like, I want to just watch a movie. That's, yeah, I agree with you. I think this is why Choose Your Own Adventure stories never quite have the appeal that got it. They never had the appeal that people think they do. Okay. There was there was on Netflix, though, there was a, um, a Black Mirror episode, right? Or a Black Mirror. Um, was it Black Mirror? Yeah, uh, that was that was letting you choose your right. own. It was a couple of years back. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, oh, it had a weird name to it. Uh, yeah, there was one that did it. But but, but what was interesting is like because when I was at the panel, the cast was talking and and the producer was talking about the work that went into making this. You know, having to figure out all, all the choices and how they intertwine, and then having to record the same dialogue but with different reactions, you know, tones and, and whatnot over and over again. So it took a really long time to put this together. And it just kind of makes me wonder like, okay, but is it really going to be worth it in the end? Well, for, you know, so I don't know. I used to get all the choose your own adventure books way back in the day that it was an actual series of books, mostly from Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and they were interesting, but they, the the novelty wears off pretty quick. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think like this may do okay and they may come out with more, but like the original 3D movies b- back in the day with the red and blue glasses, um, it may be more <laughs> of a, what is it? Uh, it, it? It's, it's, it's just a, a niche. Dave, check you know? the chat. Hmm? Dave, check the chat. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I, it's, I, it 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 it'll, it's 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 not gonna it, it won't last long because I, I my first thought when I read this was exactly what you what you thought, Dave, which is basically when I sit down to watch a movie, I'm sitting down to watch a movie, right? I, I don't want to sit there and then have to decide stuff. <laughs> I'm I'm usually sitting down to relax, not to not to agonize over should I kill Robin or shouldn't I kill Robin? <laughs> like, Watching a movie or reading a book is a it's a passive experience, mm, right? Right. You're along for the ride. It's not an active experience. Typically it can be like, but it's never, ever been as successful. Right. So I'm not going to see this movie, but that's, you know, uh, I'm going to get it. Well, let's see if when's it, is it, uh, it'll be on Blu-ray, right? Oh my God. No, but he, it, that the look on his face is so cheesy. Oh, I know. It's terrible. I'm really glad I never got to see the light. Oh, day. oh my God. It's terrible. Yeah, oh, my um, goodness. I, that I'm, might I'm gonna, be the that might be the artwork for this week. Uh, anyway, I, I'm I'm going to get it just to continue my because I have basically every every animated movie that DC's put out. Yeah, no, and uh, and I probably will end up watching it just to kind of experience it, but right. But I don't know if I'm going to want to watch it over and over again and try all the different paths. It's not like you know, like if I want to play a video game, I want to play a video game. If I want to watch a movie, I want to watch mm-hmm. a movie and. And if you're watching something on Blu-ray, the I mean, the whole point of Blu-ray is you don't have to wait for it to buffer. Yeah. <laughs> so you make a decision. Okay, gotta go load that section. It's like ah, I could do that on the internet. Yep. Uh, All right. So so I probably will check it out. I'm sure you will, John. How yeah. about you, JD? 
He said he wasn't interested, I guess. Yeah. He got quiet. I wonder if he can hear. Hit the Siri button and Siri took over. <laughs> it like I'm, shut me out. I'm sorry, Siri was not invited to this podcast. It's like no. the way it happened. I imagine this is what my death will be like. We'll just, we'll just kind of stop. <laughs> okay. Wow. Dark. Yes. Yes. This took another dark turn. That's what I do. Yes. All right. Speaking of dark, Nellie Portman. No. No. Um, no. Speaking of dark <laughs> turns, my old friend. <laughs> We're going to take another quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. I've come to talk to you again. After these messages, we'll be right back. All right, continuing on with the news. and got to hurry up. We've still got a review to do. Uh, yes. So Natalie Portman confirms, question mark, uh, Jane Foster's storyline in Love and Thunder. So she basically said in an interview that uh they, she had to read a um graphic no- a thor graphic novel where jane had cancer uh huh. to to get ready for the part which made me go god damn it she's never read unworthy thor or any of the <laughs> that stuff hasn't. why would she like she's reading she's gonna read the jason aaron stuff and everything from then yeah i like, know i know she's not a she's not a comic fan i know hold on uh, and then Taika Watiti came out and was like, yeah, we'll be taking elements from that storyline uh, where with the cancer and her becoming Thor and all that. But he's like, we're not really we're not necessarily following that storyline um, to its fullest, which so he kind of like noncommittally said she may ca- she might not have cancer. She may have cancer, you know, uh, so we'll see what do you, like do you think they should. Marvel does again. He's, he's that's what he said too. Here at Marvel, we change things, you know. So, do you think they should have a strict adherence to that story? I don't, I don't think they will. I don't think they should. It's about adaptation. If it's the exact same, if it's the exact same, just read the book. Yeah, and we know what the exact same gets you. It gets you bat booty. Like when 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 they when they did the the Killing Joke. Oh God. Well, no, that's not exact same. That was yeah, that didn't happen. No, that was that's the exact opposite of what I. You know, <laughs> that's the reason not to do what I just. Well, said. well, no. If they do exact same, they, it's usually not enough to fill out an entire mo- movie. So. Oh well. Also true. Also true. But I mean, this is different. This wasn't just one story. This was a couple year story arc, and I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see what they can do with it. And Taika Waititi is pretty creative. Like he incorporated um, Planet Hulk really well under Ragnarok. Yeah, so you don't think Portman's taking it because, like, part of the contract is that she dies at the end, right? Like, like she's only doing a one-off because she was uh, vacant from the last few missing from. That's because they movies. fired Patty Jenkins, who she recommended, and she was PL. Yeah, owed about that. But they're giving her something to chew on. Like, she gets to be a real hero now instead of just like you know, the girl. Oh so, no! Yeah, I yeah. Know. So I mean, like, I think she'll enjoy that, and then. Who knows? I don't know. I have no idea what they're gonna do. Yeah, I'm curious to see how this is gonna work because it's. Uh... And this Thor, this Thor Jane Foster relationship is a lot different than the comic book. Yes, Thor, that's what Jane I'm... Foster. So mm. it can't be the same. It has to be different. Well, they broke up, so 
but she wasn't even really with Thor. She was really with Don Blake, who doesn't exist in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right, but right. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. In the Cinematic Universe, she was shunted off, like, in the first Avengers movie. And then, like, later on, it's mentioned, oh, it broke up. And so... Yeah, because she didn't want to. I mean, like, you have to do something when they don't want to come to work. Mm. So... Well, and it's... Different. I don't know. I don't... So where's the love then? And then and in like in the first Thor movies, they show her as a scientist who's like investigating um, you know, strange things going on. That's how she ends up meeting Thor. And then it kind of felt like they started down that path in the second one, and then she became, you know, the the female, you know, and these movies, the the second the secondary which was, character. Which was sad because it's right. Natalie Portman, you know, and, and, that's, kinda, what, and that's what she didn't want, hence her leaving exactly you know so it's like so i don't know is it going to feel uneven i don't know we'll have to see thor 3 is such a departure from thor 2 right exactly i made a departure oh it's a great departure it's one of the best sequels probably in that whole universe um but you know it just goes to show they can throw everything out the window from the first one and just it's almost like a new run in a comic you know like when new artists new writer come in it's the same characters, but it's a different interpretation. So this kind of feels yeah. the same way to me. You know, I'm curious to see what they're going to do. Like I said, I didn't love when Jane Foster was Thor, but um, I don't know. Let's see what they can do with it. All right. I think we're all, we all have the same attitude. We re- we're curious and uh, cautiously optimistic. Cautiously optimistic, yes. Yes. Mm. They haven't given us much reason to doubt them. No. Um, however, apparently... Spider-Man needs a mentor in the MCU. So it's now been confirmed on top of Jamie Foxx returning as Electro that Doctor Strange, ben, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, will be appearing in Spider-Man 3. And they've said that he'll be in a mentor role for Spider-Man in the movie, which... That makes sense. Not a fan. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. I don't like it in the comics when when Tony became a mentor to Spider Man. Why would I like it in the movies? And they lean so heavily on it. And now, I don't know that they're leaning completely heavily on it. It it's it was it was it made things a lot more interesting. The interaction and the um and and some of the drive to the plot line in the movies was is good. I don't see it being a detriment here. I don't think it's necessary. Like. Well, he doesn't. That's part of Peter. Part of Peter Parker's charm is that he really never doesn't have real. He really doesn't have a mentor. He kind of f's up a lot, you know. Right. And I don't want to. I don't want him to bounce around because they just. Well, maybe they wean him yeah. off of it. Like this is the last one, and if they go, they they do another. They they've got him for another MCU movie, so then he's on his own. The they next wean one. him off on it. I like well, you know, I mean, he's they're still they're still portraying like what is he twenty six now? He's he, they're still playing him as a as a teenager, yeah, yeah, high school. So like they're going to have to do something about that, um, and quickly, uh, and uh, you know, the I don't, it, with Tony gone, it's still you you can't just have him start going on his own. Somebody psychologically speaking, somebody in that position would still be looking oh wait a second you're telling me you're telling me the character whose entire arc is based on the fact that his father figure died and he could stop it cannot go off on his own without mentorship well he he can but the way they're playing in the mcu it's he's still a little bit reliant on that you know 
Yeah, or, I think or, and not, I, not reliant on it. I mean, look at he's looking for he's looking for validation. So he's not exactly relying on it. I get the looking for validation thing. And if that's all it is, it was just an extended cameo from Stephen Strange, I'm okay. If he's in like every other scene and Peter has to whine to him, oh Doctor Strange, why can't you do I mean like it's just not what I want to see from a Spider-Man movie. Well, they, they didn't. They didn't do that with Homecoming. With, with they did not. So, so if it's something like this, I'm okay. But you tell yeah. me, you start throwing on the words mentor figure, I'm like, eh, I'm not interested. Because what is Stephen Strange? How can Stephen Strange mentor Peter Parker? And of course, the other aspect of this that we haven't hit on is this has led to the wild and wild and wild speculation that Madam Web. This is going to be the introduction of Spider-Verse into the MCU. Well, there certainly seems to be a lot of evidence to support that. Oh, do you care to elaborate on that? You ever see that meme where it's all like the guy from uh, It's Always Sunny with the yes, the yes. stuff? Yes, that's where we're about to get right now. Um, <laughs> so, what is the next Doctor Strange movie? Multiverse of Madness. Thank you. Mm. Who was just recently cast as a villain for this next Spider-Man movie? Jamie Foxx is Electro. Done. <laughs> that's it? That's that's all of your evidence? I built it up really big so I could come crashing down. Yeah. I'm all about disappointments. Well, you should read my books. Um, well, with Jamie Foxx, yeah, that was a... That, I mean, he has so much ability, and that was... Oh, it was terrible. That, that was the writing, though. It was. It was smart writing direction, you know. But that's the thing, though. It's like, so you tell me that we're going to bring Jamie Foxx into play Electro... And by the way, Doctor Strange, who happens to be in a movie called Multiverse of Madness, hmm. is just going to be in this story. Hmm. Well, and, and considering really? also, like, he also doesn't he also play a part in, uh, or was it, it the um, uh, WandaVision? That plays oh, into... She, she's going to play a part in Multiverse of Madness. Right. So, like, you've got all of these reality warpers here, and you've got yeah. multiver- a multiverse, so yeah, and, of course. And there's a there's a lot of people clamoring for Miles Morales, and there's there's been a lot of rumors of, you know, you'll get the three Spider-Mans. So, I think this all kind of... <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my what? God. What? No, it's just, you, you said, it's the three Spider-Men. It's like, it's reminding me that that's kind of a trope with Doctor Who. Like oh yes yes like the three doctors the yes. three doctors the five uh, doctors the, five. the two doctors yeah mm-hmm. they they've had you know where they take the actors from who played the doctor previously and so like I, I, the three so, Spider Men yeah. that would be awesome so, so so real quick like here are just some headlines that I have been seeing okay uh, Toby McGuire and Andrew Garfield rumored to join Tom Holland for Spider Man three source uh, the hyper beast. Oh, the, the reputable source. Continue. Uh, could Spider-Man 3 adapt controversial One More Day storyline from comics? Uh, well, after that come from? That is um, the rap. Why would you make... Oh, that's actually a decent website. Why would they make that? Where would that... Huh? Uh-huh. Uh, Spider-Man art argues... The Amazing Spider-Man's Black Cat should come over to the MCU. That's from Screen Rant. Um, so, uh, oh, this is one I saw the other day. I forgot. Uh, Spider-Man 3 fans want Vincent D'Onofrio to return as Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. Kingpin. And then I can get on board with. Um, Toby Maguire reportedly has had talks about Spider-Man 3 role. So, like, it's everywhere. It's not just... Uh, you know, fans talking online like 
these are actual sites saying that you know we're possibly getting spider-verse without any hard evidence just you know rumors about people talking and of course the other argument well if sam raimi's coming in to do the uh dr strange movie maybe he's talking to toby mcguire to come back um maybe they can get nicholas hammond too oh my god how old is he <laughs> that was the 70s john i, I can't 70s. hear you jd I was on mute because my dog started crying. Um, He's got to be in his 60s. Yeah. 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 So old Spider-Man. Just like like you have old Hulk. Or what is it? Old old man Wolverine. It is interesting that Sam Raimi is directing the new Doctor Strange movie. And Doctor Strange is now going to be in the Spider-Man movie. Hmm. Yep. 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 So... It wouldn't surprise me if we're getting some some multiversal stuff because they hinted at it, they teased it in oh, Homecoming. Yeah. Oh, I know, and they played around with the idea of um, time, Endgame, but time travel splintering off other realities. Mm-hmm. So, oh my god, which I, of course brings in the mutants. So yeah, the whole the whole thing's all tied together. It's I and and look as nerds, we love the idea, but I don't know if the normies are going to jump on this. So they jumped on to every other nerdy thing we've thrown at them. Yeah, basically, they yeah. Love, we rule. They now. love the guardians. It's true, we are in charge. We tell you what's cool. <laughs> they like the guardians of the galaxy. At, at that point, it's like, oh, okay, it's all it's all gravy from at here. That, at that point, we could do whatever we want. Pretty much, we you, sold them a raccoon. You, you, yeah. They accepted time travel in Endgame. I get it. I get it. Dude, I think it's more amazing they accepted a talking tree. <laughs> and, and it became a meme and, right. and an icon. Yeah, it's an icon. Like, people love every, Everybody knows Groot. I am Groot. Oh. Yeah. It used to be if you walk around saying, I am Groot, 80% of comic fans would be like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> that was like a good like six years ago. Now, now yeah. everybody's yeah. like, oh, I am Groot. I know that. Like, yeah. Oh, baby dancing twig. Right? Yeah, baby twig. <laughs> exactly. So, like, we're in charge now. Speaking of people that are in charge, Patty Jenkins has called out on record to say Wonder Woman 84 will not go video on demand. Um, and this is in response to there have been countless articles like, oh, well, they haven't been talking about Wonder Woman, so they must be planning to put it on on VOD. And uh, as we've been talking about on this show, is that that's a tentpole movie that they can't just, you know, lose money on. And this this comes on the heels of, I, I don't know if you guys talked about this last week, um, all of Regal Cinemas is shutting down in the yeah. U.S. Yes, yes. It's a, it, with the caveat, people keep, seem to keep forgetting is that they said it's temporary. Right, right. They don't yeah. know how for how long. And it makes sense because it's expensive to keep them open without any movies mm-hmm. to, for them to make money on. I I, I don't blame them. I mean, unfortunately, 28,000 people are going to lose their jobs. But um, what are you going to do? You know, if if the movie companies are too afraid to put movies out because people can't go to them or, or people aren't going to them, then and they're not making money, then the theaters can't make any money. You know? So, yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing we're going to see like summer next year. This will be the next announcement about Wonder Woman. What do you think? Yeah, probably. I mean, like, it all makes sense. 
I mean, by then we'll have like two vaccines the way things are going, hopefully. Good. And then, yeah, people go back. I mean, I'll definitely go back to the movies as soon as I get a vaccine. There's people going to them now that are going to stuff now. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to sit in the in the movie theater with a mask on and you know wonder. You know, it's just, it's not it's not what I want to do right now. So I get all of it. Like it all makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, the only reason people are going now is because you're at that very careful balance of, hey, I can go to a theater and it'd be me and two other people and that's it, and that feels safe. But if you start to get a you know, mass of people starting to go, then they back off again. It's so closing. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like, even if, even if the vaccine comes out tomorrow, let's say, and it'll take a while for everybody to get six months, but, but even Mm -hmm. like, and so let's just say by the end of the year, everyone who wants it gets it. Um, I still think people are going to be afraid even after getting the vaccine. Oh yeah. I agree with that. I think there's going to be, um, it's going to be a slow, a slower recovery, a slower back to normal than I think people are ready for. Yeah. Mm. So like some people are going to go all in. Some people are going all in right now, but yeah. I think it's going to be slow waves. Like, you know, there's going to be people that there's going to be people that never go to movies again, you know, yeah. not just because they're afraid, but because they're like, Hey, I'd rather just watch it at home. Yeah, that's true. I think, uh, Things are going to change. We'll see how. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of watching stuff at home and video on demand and things like Netflix. Uh, so we had talked about the Miller World had been bought up uh, by Netflix and they were going to make a bunch of series based on his books. And uh, the first one was going to be The Magic Order. And that has been canceled before production has even begun. Did they actually read them? <laughs> hot, hot Mark Miller take. Not a, not a Mark Miller fan. I know we've discussed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Civil War was, was was the breaking point. Um, Kick ass. So, <laughs> yeah, this is true. Yuck. I mean, how can you not like Kick Ass? It was it was kind of stupid. Oh, jeez, you guys are wrong. No, I love Kick Ass. Really, it was really really kind of stupid. No, 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 no. The only good thing that came out of it was Chloe Grace Moretz's, you know, career after that. Did you read the comic? No, you didn't. So stop. Um, See, I'll take I'll take JD's word on this because I mean, uh, he's got an axe to grind with Miller for some reason. Um. So yeah, no. They, so of course, you he's know, got they, beef with my boy Grant Morrison. So. We got, uh, got bad blood. I knew that was. I knew it had something to do with that. Um, yeah. So apparently they had uh, uh, cited, of course, uh, concerns because of COVID and um, other other issues. But apparently, there's you know people are talking about. I don't know if you guys have seen. Apparently, Netflix has lost. A bunch of money this quarter they've lost a bunch of subscribers really um, not that you know they normally don't like really give those numbers out uh, well we won't go into it but there's been a controversy with netflix over the last couple months that i don't care to talk about but it has apparently the they've lost more subscribers in the last month than they have over the last you know five years really yeah i didn't know that yeah so it's uh it's interesting. So 
I don't know how that that affects them going forward, but I mean, if they're they were all gung ho into making these Miller stories, and then now they're pulling out. Um, they say it was because it's because of lack of new content, which makes sense considering we're in the midst of the streaming wars and everybody's pulling their stuff off of Netflix to start their own streaming service. And, you know, of course that's going to hurt Netflix, which is where people used to go to get all the new stuff. Yeah. But then that doesn't make sense because yeah, if, if the promise con- new content, then why would they not make this new content? <laughs> Well, that makes perfect sense. If you're losing all your subscribers, where you, where's your money coming from? Yeah, that's well, that's well, the issue, right? Well, it might be because they just want to make good stuff. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, there's a there's a two edged sword to that. Is like, so now we've gone, we're like nine months in, and most mm. production has stopped, so they haven't been able to put out as much content as they probably would have liked. So that's probably affecting them too. Yeah. Animation is ramping up though. That's one like animation that, is different. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it took a hit for a little bit there, but because it can all be done remotely, you know, it, and it, even though you're working in a large group, um, there's a ton of animation that's coming out and, and Netflix is Netflix has actually been buying up a lot of stuff. Inuyusha is one that just came to Netflix and um, that's a huge one for for the animation the anime community. So that's smart on their part. Then, if they want to go more hog hog on on, uh, yeah. on anime, well, yeah, I mean, well, it's it's a subset. It's it's not a huge audience, but it's a very loyal audience. Well, and not they're going the, to get views. Not just that, but I mean, if they're buying up more stuff in general, they are. Yeah, they to are. try to to try to get some of the you know. What's the, then, what's the anime Rooster Teeth? Is that the yeah? Rooster well, uh, Rooster Teeth and Crunchyroll. Yeah. Uh, Crunchyroll not uh, uh, Crunchyroll is the big one. Rooster Teeth not so much. Um, but uh, but they they've also been been putting out a whole bunch of their own anime too. Um, some of it good, some of it bad. They but but I I guess I guess it makes it even weirder for them to even if they even if this wasn't really good material that they wouldn't put it out anyway. I mean, all I know is. I hope Netflix doesn't go away because then I don't know how I'm going to watch the Great British Baking Show. <laughs> Netflix Netflix isn't going it's it's going to lose uh, subscribers for a little bit because again like we're in the midst of the streaming wars until the streaming wars calms down um, and there's a pandemic going on where people have lost their jobs. Yeah, so we're we're going to we're going to have a sea change for a cup for a year or two at least and then it, things will like even out. We'll start to see who you know, who's going to survive. I think Netflix will survive. I mean, they saw this coming. That's why they started putting out their own animation and, and, and putting out their own series and all that, you know, um, Amazon saw the same thing. HBO is, HBO has always put out their own, but yeah. Hey, sorry. We (laughs) We shall see. And on that note, we'll take a quick commercial break. Our last one, I promise. And we'll be right back with our main topic of up. After these messages, we'll be right back. <laughs> All right, boys and girls. Um, nice. Keeping with our October Halloween theme. We're, we're giving you the full feel of a, a what, what is this again? Zoom meeting with, Zoom. you know, the background noise of my cat climbing the tree and his dog barking. And, <laughs> my dogs yeah. are fighting each other. <laughs> They're both 14 and they've just had it with each other. <laughs> they've been together their whole lives. They were together before we even got them. 
and they just they're so tired of each other's bullshit. <laughs> You should uh, give them a microphone. Then they sound like the perfect, the perfect uh, podcasters. To, yeah, to, to dogcasters, dog. genius. <laughs> All right, keeping with our Halloween October theme, of course, we had to talk about this comic. It is a nineteen ninety six Jeff Loeb Tim Sale Batman: The Long Halloween. So, um, let's. Uh, Let's all go around the room and talk about the first time that we read this book. And we'll start with John, because apparently this weekend is the first time that you've read this book. I remember back into the halcyon days of three hours ago. <laughs> you seriously never read this before? Nope. Really? Nope. Fake nope. Geek. <laughs> Fake nerd. I can't. Hey, you know, I my, my geekdom... If you were so many different genres, like I can't girl, there'd be like multiple Twitter threads about how, how (laughs) (laughs) I am a Jack of all trades. Well, I'm a Jack of all geeks, basically making fun of comics. I'm not, I'm not embracing them. No, no, of course. But uh, yes, yes. Wait, you know, I I don't know, Dave, I'd have to remember back three hours ago. And for me, that's really, Um, but uh, yeah, yes. I, I had heard about it before, like in passing, never really crossed my, my radar, um, you know, between Dungeons and Dragons and anime and, and Wizards of the Coast and, and, and all, all the different card games and everything. I, I guess, you know, sometimes things slip through the cracks. So uh, yeah, it's, um, it, I don't know. I, well, you, you want me to tell you how, how I thought of it just initially? Uh, it's probably one of the best things I've ever read. I'll give you right there. <laughs> and it took you a really long time to find it. You had yeah. to be forced to read it, actually. Well, some, yeah. sometimes that happens. Sometimes you you stumble onto something that you really like on accident. That's pretty yeah. cool. All right. How about you, JD? I read this first time um, fall 2004 when I started getting back into comics. And uh, I was hanging out in the Batman on film message board. And this was one that got a lot of people talking. It was like, oh, long Halloween, long Halloween. And I was reading when it. I think I wasn't reading when it came out. I must have just missed it. So I picked it up. Uh, I think it was at Borders back when that was a thing. It's been part of my collection ever since. Cool. Um, I found it a little later than you. It's probably 2007 would be my guess. Um, obviously, I, everyone loved Batman Begins, and we heard they were making uh, The Dark Knight with the Joker and Two-Face. And... Uh, the rumor going around was, and this has been confirmed since then, that uh, Nolan had told people to read The Killing Joke and The Long Halloween to get an idea of the, th- you know, the, the theme of the story. Talking about Jane Foster earlier and not adapting things directly, but taking themes and ideas from books. Um, you know, so I read it and it's like, yes, I, I agree with John. It's probably one of the best comics that I've ever read. and. Um, and yeah, it's uh, you can definitely see where they got a lot of the ideas for the Dark Knight from this book. Like it's not, it's not a, it's not an accident, you know. Uh, of course, the big one is I believe in Harvey Dent. It's said quite a few times in the comic, and it was part of the uh, promotional material for the Dark Knight. And uh, and yeah, um, so so let's uh, okay, so let's start with um, we all like obviously we all like the book. So what's one of your favorite aspects of the book, J.D.? That the actual holiday killer is basically a MacGuffin. 
this is nothing more than Tim Sale and Jeff Loeb having an excuse to write 12 Batman stories with different villains. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I mean, I'm not, and there's nothing wrong with it, too. It's like Citizen Kane, like Rosebud is a MacGuffin. It's yeah. nothing more than a story vehicle to get you into the life of Charles Foster Kane. And this this in a very similar way. Like, yes, you're looking for the, you know, the, the, the holiday killer, but at the same time, you're getting your first year, year two. Like, this pretty much supplemented Batman year two in, like, yes. continuity aspects. So, really, you're getting um, kind of the first, not kind of the second in continuity look, or, yeah, and the second in continuity appearance of most of these characters, right? And you're getting a different version. You're getting Tim Sale, who I think is probably one of the most expressionistic artists of the 1990s you know, a legend in his own right, you're getting like definitive looks at these characters, like generational looks at these characters. Mm-hmm. I love that about it. Chilling. How about you, John? Um, the, the, the thing I really like about this is that it is a contiguous story for all 12. We said it was 12 issues initially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, it is like really well done. The, it, 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 all the characters, all the characterizations fit. Like, it, no, there's no minor. Like, it, every character in here has a part to play, mm-hmm. and and all their motivations are pretty clear. Everything fits the way you you feel it should, and um, it's real. And the, the plot is quite intricate. Even even given what you were saying that it's a that in the end the calendar person is a MacGuffin. It's. Uh, it's still like there's still kind of a twist at the end, which I really appreciated, and it, it it makes it all the more interesting in that yeah, even Batman can get it wrong sometimes. Um, if 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 you if you don't mind, like there was there's this uh, idea of the long defeat um, in the Tolkien mm-hmm. books, uh, and it's basically the the idea that um, good will all will. Will will never triumph over evil because evil will always rise again, and the battle between the two is what Tolkien fra- uh, framed as the long defeat, which is basically, in the end, um, you know, it's a war of attrition, uh, and that's what this feels like because in the beginning, uh, you start with the standard crime families, and all the way through the books, you see the rise of the psychopaths. <laughs> The, the 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 rogues gallery um to the point where in, in the end they're they're all that's left uh so and 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 you lose people batman loses friends along the way um and, and yet he's still going to fight because you know it's the long defeat you you good still has to fight the entire time even in in the end even though in the end it may not win evil will always triumph over good because good but is dumb. stupid. Oh, <laughs> good dumb. is stupid. Yeah. It's dumb. Yes. Oh, oh man. Because um, there's not enough good. <laughs> wow, that's that's that is probably the most poignant thing you've ever said on this show, John. I agree and all I couldn't wait to to make a joke about it. <laughs> couldn't control myself. I, I, um, I would expect nothing less from you. Thank you. So <laughs> well said though, well said. Um I think the first thing that struck me about this book, and it's one of the things I look for in comics, and you know, I think everyone should. It's it's Tim Sale is such an amazing artist in his own right because, oh. like, it's why I like Todd McFarlane. 
he it's stylized art it's not just trying to make it look realistic and copy the next guy or the guy before you this is like no i'm gonna make it my own thing right impressionistic yeah yeah everyone every character is recognizable as the character but it's definitely his own style and it shines through and it's like yes like that it works perfectly um and yeah and and what john said too the whole escalation aspect of it you know it starts off with the traditional crime family by the time you get to the end you're at batman's rogue get rogues gallery and it's like it's that it's that generational changeover right like it's when batman it's it's really well represented in in the comics when it used to be batman versus gangster and then all of a sudden it was the dick sprang era where everybody had a gimmick and Mm -hmm. this this contemporizes that and, and makes it make story sense and the and the other thing is, how many times have you read a story about any character? Doesn't matter if it's Batman, Spider Man, Superman, whoever, and they try to do a long story like this, and they throw in villains of that character just because they want to use them, and they don't serve the story. And sometimes the villains out of character, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't feel like there's so many villains in this, and I don't think you feel that any of them are out of place in this no they all fit yeah they're all all in character even care even characters that are trickier right like riddler and poison ivy you know like yes they feel they feel right might be the best batman story ever in might be it's close and i mean i'm not i don't if you told me it was i wouldn't argue with you but off the top of my head i don't i can't think of one better off the top of my head yeah i mean it's statement in general you know and i like the the detective stories for batman you know and 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 it's it's a detective story that does keep you guessing to the end. Again, yes, the holiday killer is a MacGuffin, but it does turn out to be someone in the end that you don't see coming. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, I, and I don't know if we want to spoil a... A, uh, a 25-year-old story? Spoil yeah. away. Yeah, uh, so spo- uh, spoilers, well, let's just say. Okay. <laughs> 25-year-old spoilers, because they're, so, they're really spoiled. It's just... <laughs> uh, Gilda, is that her name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Harvey Dent's wife um, ends up being the holiday killer uh, at the end, um, which you don't see coming, you know, and and her motivation, (laughs) you know, I I don't know if that's I'm not so sure about her motivation, but she's crazy. She's crazier than a lot of the crazy a lot of the actual rogues gallery. Well, I mean, the idea is that if if the Falcons are out of the way, then Harvey won't be working as late and he'll be home to start a family. It's very TV movie. Yeah. Like, I don't love that Gilda's the holiday killer, but at the same time, I don't, I maintain that it isn't important. The important thing is Batman and his, the the establishment of Batman's world and Harvey Dent. That's Mm -hmm. what's important. So, I mean, like, I almost think the holiday killer stuff is a little throwaway, to be honest with you, much like Rosebud is a sled. I don't, I, I, check me on this. I don't know. I don't, I actually don't think it's throwaway. I think, like, it's the entire point that, like, it may, maybe it's a third plot, but the thing is that in the end, it's showing you that, you know, between organized crime and uh, caricatures of, of humanity, these, these psychopaths, the rogues this gallery. Organized crime, if you will. Yeah. Um, between all of those, the regular regular people can still be completely and absolutely nuts. 
Like you, you never know when somebody's going to snap. Right. I think that this too is Batman's, it's the whole idea of Batman's presence has made everything worse to the point where regular people are now, are now prone to falling into this. Well, she, she, she didn't fall because of that. She fell because, no, I mean, because they, they, they were fighting the regular crime. Right. Nobody's keeping them busy. But nobody does. But again, it's, that's the idea is it's Batman. Batman is around. So everything is, doesn't get better. It gets worse. You know, because that's the whole thing. It's like none of these costume criminals would be here if it wasn't Batman. Maybe she's. I think maybe she said something about that at the end. She does, so, but I mean, like it's the same so thing. Yeah. So so yeah. So it would be he, he. He's the reason that she started doing that was because, um, because you know, there's there's this thing going around of all these weird costumed criminals. Um, but yeah, but that's the thing. In the end, uh. Batman again. This goes back back to the 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 um was it the long the long uh, defeat where Batman can do whatever he can with you know all of all of the uh, most visible bad guys. You're still going to have regular humanity just snapping every once in a while. You you know unbeknownst to you on the side somewhere and you, where you'll never see it. And bat and between Batman and the Riddler, neither one of them figured it out. Isn't this this is this is so see, this is what makes good fiction, good stories, is that you guys both have valid points, but totally mm-hmm. different as the different views on the same story. Um and you both like it. And it's just it's a beautiful thing. Um <laughs> So, so here's a here's a question, right? So obviously we gave away the spoiler of of who the holiday killer is. Um that's another thing that, that that goes throughout this book is they they kind of try to keep throwing red herrings at you. Oh, it could be Catwoman. Oh, it could be Harvey. Oh, it could be you know um, uh, Marconi himself. Marconi mm-hmm. himself, um, or his sister. And, and and it's tough, right? Because I don't think any of us saw the end, the very end of it coming. No, and I think that's part of the problem, too, with the story. Like, if, if, I think if the story does have one flaw, it's that I don't think... I mean, a good mystery is one that, even if you don't get it, you should see the pieces. And I don't think you see the pieces enough. Yes. Like, that's, it's un, it's an unsolvable mystery. That's what I was going to get at. Like, they threw these red herrings at us, but did anyone figure it out before we got to the end? And I don't think... Yeah. But there's not... But wait, is isn't that the point though? Like, if there were signs and Batman didn't figure it out, that would be a problem. But there were the 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 only the only signs that she gave were to her husband Harvey, who was already crazy and fall and and of and you know basically he's he's not he's not picking up on that because he's too busy working on on the the organized crime stuff and it's it's not registering with him. So like. It it makes more sense this way that no, yeah I, she she turns out to be the criminal she's somebody completely out of Batman's orbit he is but that's like and again I don't think it makes Batman less of a detective I think it makes it may I mean he Batman can miss it but I think the fact that we don't even see enough of the clues is is they did it just for the reveal and they intentionally like when you're doing a story and you're leaving the cards off the table just for that swerve moment I do think that's a little cheap. And I do think that's why the revealed holiday killer is not what people remember about this story. Right. Like you remember, I believe in Harvey Dent. You remember, like there's a reason why this part of the story didn't get translated and why, you know, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's character is not a murderer in the dark night. 
because it's the most forgettable part. Because like I said, it doesn't. This the holiday killer thing is it's just the MacGuffin, and it is an unsolved. Much like Rosebud, right? Like we don't know. We the only way we know Rosebud's the slightest because we see it burning in the in the, in the fireplace. But you know? but it's, but again, in the in the end, that is the sign that this war that Batman has. I th- is going to never end is because no, the, the sign is Joker telling him that when there's a hundred uh, costume villains sitting there and they literally lay it out like you know Jeff Loeb's good but subtleties really aren't <laughs> they say you so, know this is what it is now so reading the story the second time and knowing the ending I kind of wonder if the fact that they use the nipple for a baby bottle as the silencer is supposed to be the hint that it's Gilda the whole time. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because she keeps talking about wanting to have a family with Harvey. Yeah. And that's stupid. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> it's stupid. I mean, like the old nipple on the baby bottle, the old nipple silencer thing was just, it's silly. Like, um, it, I don't know, like everything about the, as much as I do love the story, I, I will say the actual, the actual mystery surrounding it are the weakest parts. Right. I mean, a calendar man tells you up front that it's a woman. Yes. You know, but Batman like isn't ready to believe it, so he keeps going back and forth between he and she when they're talking. And uh so yeah, I think I that's the whole thing is I think there are hints, but they're not strong enough to, to there, really put it together. There, there are, like I'm saying, they're there because Jeff Lowe, it's not like this is like a, a last minute decision. I mean he knew right. who the killer was the whole time. But they don't give you they don't give the reader enough pieces to solve the mystery. Right. They're not interested he's not interested in that. Well, yeah, but that still that still makes the end more impactful because just like Batman, you were clueless until all of a sudden you realize that it's somebody so, you could never have have thought of. And I, and I will say everything, and they will tell you when you're writing a detective story, that's not a good ending. You know, that's not typically considered like what you want. Like and, you you don't want to go, whoa, I never saw it coming. And it's like, well, no, you're not looking for that. You're looking for it's a, an actual detective story. Is you want to put the story together. In, in a Doesn't normal detective that. story, definitely. But when the point of the story is to show the pointlessness, well, not pointlessness, the, the, the grueling grind of, of what Batman is up against, then that makes this ending like... But that's, the, that's what I say. It's a MacGuffin. It doesn't, you just said it doesn't matter. Well, right? it, well, it, well it, no, his, his, it, it's, his, it's his war on crime that basically almost doesn't matter. I mean, somebody has to do it, um, but in the end, it's never going to end, and it's and it's never going to end because people who he doesn't even have any clue exist so, are going to be doing crap like this. And, and, and I don't... They, they, they're going to rise. And, right, and, and I don't argue with you, but that does spit in the face of Batman being this great detective, you know? Like, and again, you could you mm-hmm. give a million reasons for it, but again, the simple fact of the matter is, is the clues are not laid out enough for us to solve it. So therefore it is not really a detective story. It is a Batman story and it's good. It's really well written, but, and again, the, the, the killer holiday killer is, is just a vehicle for us to explore Gotham city. It's just a vehicle for Tim sale to draw. Every- I, don't know, I see it more as like the whole point of the story, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I, it just, it feels, it feels like that's the message of this story is that it's, well, yeah, it could, he could have, it, it could yeah, serve more than was, one purpose, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. The, the, the futility of Batman's quest, the futility of Batman's war, all of that is there. And in doing that, he gives us an unsolvable mystery, which 
literally is how you're not supposed to write a detective story. So this is actually sold a lot as a Batman detective story. No, but yeah, really, yeah. But it really isn't. Like, and there's no, I'm not saying that's anything wrong with it. I'm not saying that like it makes it bad or it makes it not functional. I'm just saying like I think the ending is a little is a little cheap because it can't because literally the reader can't solve it because Batman can't solve it. But that was the point. He can't solve it. He can't. He can't. Solve oh, I get it. it. I understand that that's yeah. the point. But that in and of itself makes me feel like that it's just a MacGuffin and it doesn't matter. And it doesn't because literally Jeff Loeb cares far more about examining Gotham and the transition between the organized crime and the disorganized crime. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't, it's just a thing that's there, Dave. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this back and forth. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm just, I'm also thinking about, and it's, it's a weird uh, comparison, but the sixth sense, right? Because it's, it's praised as one of these biggest twist movies of all time. And yet uh, M night Shyamalan, if you watch the behind the scenes, he talks about all the hints he gives you throughout the whole movie, but like they're not hints the average person's going to see. No, no. My wife figured it out in like five minutes and she had no idea. She's like, oh, he's dead. And I just sat and I was, <laughs> my hands up I was like, you gotta be kidding me. You can't take anything. Um, no, they paint everything red. They use, they use more visual tricks. Right, right. Tell you what it is. So yeah, no, it's the same thing. It's, but that's some, um, he built his brand again. He did himself no favors by this. Shyamalan built his brand on these stunning twists, and then he got to the point in his career where he worked himself into circles trying to outtwist himself. Right, right. And this isn't, yeah. I mean, and it's a stunning twist at the end of this book, but it's also not like the next story that Jeff Loeb wrote. He didn't try to outdo that thing, you know. And, we can uh, talk about that in a second, actually. <laughs> there, well, there is a follow up to this. There is Dark Victory. Oh, yeah. That's a follow-up to Long Halloween? That is the direct sequel to the Long Halloween. Okay. I don't it's think what I... happens. It's what... Oh, maybe that's what we do next week. I was about to say, I've never read that one. Um, it's not as good, quite frankly. Okay. All right. But, but it's pretty good. It's it's um them doing their Batman Year 3, where you meet Robin. Oh. And uh, it's still Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale, yeah. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Do you, um, do you, do you ever see the parallels between this and Hush? Not really. Yeah. You could you could draw parallels because Hush was using all the other rogues gallery to But it's the same writer, it's Jeff Loeb. Yeah. So like what was Jeff... he just is he just recycling? <laughs> um kinda. Because hmm. it's kind of the same thing, is the who is Hush, right? When we first stay because when we first start Hush, I mean like granted, there's more of a detective story in Hush because they introduce you to Hush. It's almost too easy to solve, hmm. right? The guy yeah. they introduce you to in the first issue of Hush is clearly Hush, but they throw you a really nice curveball halfway through yeah yeah it would have been better and at the end did anyone care about that character Uh, other who actually who the killer is yeah i mean it's riddler at the end of hush right right no well i meant but not 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 that aspect of it the character hush himself like oh yeah no no the hush is the coolest thing the the coolest thing about hush is that he could have been jason todd and he should have been jason yes they out like i think Loeb outsmarted himself trying to throw too many curveballs at people and like i think the dc universe is a better place if jason if jason todd is the broken robin the one who's batman literally is batman's greatest failure not just dc's knockoff lame-ass punisher Hmm. Jason's yeah. a stronger character. Like, yeah. there's people that will fight me in the street for saying that, but 
there are. I mean, there's people who love Jason Todd Red Hood. I just think Jason Todd functions better as a villain, as a reminder of, of like we talked about, of the futility of Batman's war. Right. And the consequences of dragging children into this. Like, Jason Todd's far more interesting as he's yeah. evil. Because you've already got Bat Family that's like Punisher, like Azazriel, right? Or like. Yeah, some... J- I mean, like at this point, Jason Todd is, as the Red Hood's had way more impact than, than Azrael did, even though he was Batman for a year, you know? Yeah. You've got, got a decade plus of Jason Todd as the Red Hood stories. Right. But, but you've got, you've got, you've got Bat family that will, you know, do worse things than Batman ever would. Yeah. You've got, you've got that base covered. So you're I right. I think Jason Todd would have been better as his, you know, a real failure instead of like, just a, you know. Yeah. I think that's, a, and again, it's, it's a marketing decision. Because it was, it's better to make Jason Todd the cool bad boy, the bad family, <laughs> rather than you know, it's rather just, than what he could be. Yeah. No, no, and that's. But yeah, that's neither here nor there. It's nothing to do with with the Long Halloween. But I just meant there's a lot of parallels, I think, between Hush and the Long Halloween. Again, yeah. The Hush mystery is just once again, it's this time it's 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 Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee getting to draw the entire DC universe. Yeah. No. No. You're right. You're right. Uh, uh. But at actually. That actually brings up a good point. Um, around the time that I read it, Jeff Loeb was on a podcast uh, talking about, and one of the things he talked about was this book. And I, we've talked about this before, where this was a prestige format. So it was outside of the um, continuity, where Hush is in continuity. Mm. And yeah. um, he, it was at, he, that, so in 1996, he was saying, I think this is the future of comics. Let's just write stories. They don't have to be connected. We put them out. Let's say we put out two a year. Maybe we'll put out three a year. Maybe we'll, a year will go by where we only put out one story. But let's not worry about trying to get a book out every month. Let's just concentrate on writing good stories. And uh, and of course, we know that that didn't happen at that time. And they're still talking about it now. And they're still talking about it 25 years later. Mm. He's right, uh, though. You know? But at the time, at the time, the lifeblood of the comic book industry was the shops, right? Right, and like how, like realistically speaking, the what was the age of the average fan in nineteen ninety six compared to the average between in twenty twenty, and then you realize that average fan is the same person. Yeah, right. Like, and I'll maintain that when comics retreated to the to the safety of the comic book shop and started creating, like, directing their entire line towards serving that audience, we created this insular little nook that was almost that's almost impenetrable for new fans to come into and i think he's spot on i'll make this to the day i die they're spot on 100 right and it seems like now with dc specifically their new hires that seems to be the way they're going to be trending is more toward digital and more toward prestige well yeah like bookstore stuff and right. less about you know your wednesdays thing yeah i think you're right um because those are the stories everybody remembers in the last twenty. Like here's yes. the big, here's here's the dirty secret. After the fall, like after the the boom, you get the you get a great era of writing, especially from DC. Mm-hmm. Like you get this Starman, um, the JSA books. Like before comics started getting like popular again in like oh five oh six. Like you really get golden ages from both Marvel and DC because the only way to get people back is to produce quality that's what was that's what was working then more so than um big crossovers right and then and then we got big crossovers 
and hey man, you're crossovers. The one, you're the one who loves Civil War. That that brought that whole thing back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is a great book. Great character study. Yeah. So here's a question. It's something I thought about when I opened it up again. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't think we've ever asked this question. Batman, long ears or short ears? That is a great controversial topic. <laughs> well, JD, what's your hot take? I like long ears on my Batman. Yeah? All right. Mm-hmm. I think it's the age. Like, I, was a, I got to be a fan in the early 90s. Like, Kelly Jones was out there making those things 10 feet tall. <laughs> John? Oh, I'm not getting into that. <laughs> no, 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 no. You got to pick. I, I like nice mid-sized ears. Thank you very Mid- much. <laughs> not too tall, not too short. Just yeah, yeah, somewhere yeah, in the, yeah. No, 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 no. Come on. You can't. You John can't. likes functional ears. It's not the size of the ears. It's the motion of the head <laughs> when the ears are moving. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Um, it's, where, it's the amount of electronics they've packed into them for list for you know listening devices and antennas that motion of the ocean <laughs> for real though what do you like short ears tall ears um i i have to say that i do kind of like the tall ears the look but thinking about it practically and from a functional standpoint he'd be it flopping make- all over the place come on he'd look like a bunny rabbit also if he's like <laughs> if he's got, got a slide under a uh, under something you know and they get caught you know and the mask the works off we're the talking about the bunny the functionality of Batman, like nothing about that is functional. He's got a cape. I know the cape, the cape alone. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> that's my, alone. that's my favorite. That's my favorite micro part in this entire book. Oh, where it got caught in the prop. Where, where it got <laughs> caught in the blade of the plane that Joker was flying and he had to rip off the cape. And all, oh. and, 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 and anybody born in the last 20 years, all they could hear in their head was no capes. No capes. Yep. <laughs> Honestly, oh. the first time I saw, I, mu- I think I might have saw um, Incredibles. I think those came out the same year that I read The Long Halloween. I wanted to think, yeah, she's right. The first time <laughs> I read that. Oh, Edna, Edna, Edna. But yeah, you're... we can't functionally like Batman. But you're right. When you watch Batman and Robin, aside from being terrible, when he's running, his ears are bouncing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> terrible. Uh, but I do, vi- for a visual, I think Batman with the long ears looks good. Hmm. I, I heard that uh, at, uh, they're doing a Batverse and they're going to bring back Clooney and and uh, Kilmer. Aren't they already doing that with Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck? Yeah, I'm saying they're bringing them all back. Might as well. That's what we do now. Yes. We just bring back anyone who's ever played anyone. They're going to get a Ouija board and get the ghost of Adam West in. I was going to say Adam West. Yeah. <laughs> They'll exhume his corpse. <laughs> oh, anyway. All right. All right. So I think... Um, I think we we we've we've done it. I mean, unless there's anything else you want to add about this story, I, I am I am a Tim Sale fan now. Um, I like I like the artwork a lot, but um, yeah, that's all I wanted to add. They have a um, Tim Sale and Jeff Loeb have a long track record together of some really good books. Superman for all seasons. Hmm. Uh, yes. Uh, Hulk Green. Hulk Gray. Hulk Gray. Spider Man Blue. Daredevil Yellow. That's right. I forgot yeah, that they, the, yeah. I forgot they did those books. Yeah. That's yes. I think they got started on the Hulk one. I forget. I forget what their first work together was. Um they have another oh I can't remember what it's called. They have a there's a collection of Tim Sale, Jeff Loeb, like Halloween stories that came out just before this, and the title of it just slips my mind. But they're just like three like Halloween themed Batman stories, and they're all really good too. Huh. Interesting. 
Halloween theme. Hmm, we have to keep that in mind. All right. So I got to get a freaking title. Let's uh, let, while while JD's looking that up, John. Why don't we go around the room and give our final thoughts on the book? I, I gave you my final thoughts. Like yeah. I, I think I think it's I think it's one of the best I've ever read. Highly um, recommend. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, this 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 is going in my my special library in my room. You know where I, you know if I want to pull it and read it. Again, I'll, you know, I'm going to put it next to Justice League Dark. Uh, doing things in your room that you want to pull. We don't, we don't want to go there. It's a family show. Yeah, we didn't go there. You did. Thanks, oh, Dave. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Batman Haunted Night. Haunted Night. That sounds interesting. It's a three issue. It's three issues. They're three individual stories. I have this one too. It's they're good. They're just like little one-offs. The ones um, there's a Joker story, a Scarecrow story, and a uh, Mad Hatter story. Hmm. All right, JD. Uh, this is quite possibly the best Batman story ever created. Um, if you tell me it definitely is, I, I won't argue with you. Uh, I really like it. I think it's as time has, grown, has gone on, it's become one of the most influential. Its impact on the Dark Knight helps set um, helps set the help set Batman as a character for another generation of fans who discovered it outside the comics medium. Uh, things like I believe in Harvey Dent. The uh, the, the bat signal scene with with him Gordon and Dent meeting around, you know that's right out that's right out of this book. It's it's classic, man. I mean, the, we throw this one around. Oh, that story's classic, but this is from this era, from the the post boom era of DC Comics. This might be their best book period between this and Starman because you get that golden era of the nineteen eighties when everything DC was putting out was just incredible, and yeah. then after the boom dies out, there's not a lot. But stuff starts getting a lot better, and this is this is part of the reason why Kingdom comes up there too. Mm. Yeah, I, I I I agree with both of you. Um, I think uh, I think some people might argue that uh, I, I know a lot of people who swear by the Dark Knight Returns as the best Batman book. Overrated. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I don't love I don't love Dark Knight Returns at all. Okay, then um, we should do a review of that show someday. Oh. We will. We will. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think if you haven't read this, what's wrong with you? Go read it. The, and our, our, our revealing the twist at the end does not ruin the story because it's a really good story, period. It doesn't have any impact on the story whatsoever. Well, that's true. It doesn't have any real impact on the outcome of, of the story. So, depends. I think it does, but, you know, that's, that's okay. Well, either way, we both recommend it as much as as strenuously. Yes, yes. So if you like McMuffins, uh, oh, I love my McMuffin, man. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's, it definitely will impact you in some way. So yeah, it's a definitely uh, three high recommends from all of us. All right, now let's uh, let's uh, wrap up this week with uh, recommendations. JD, you have any recommendations for our audience? I got to guest on a podcast on a major wrestling podcast actually called Fight Game Media, and uh, we did an all Japan pro wrestling roundtable. That was pretty cool. If you like wrestling and uh, want to check out something, I recommend Fight Game Media podcast. It's pretty cool stuff. And uh, what am I reading right now? I'm reading If It Bleeds by Stephen King. So a collection of short stories. It's pretty good. Um, I don't love it so far, but it's pretty good. Cool, John. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I'm rereading David Edding's The Bulgariad and The Malorian, and they're probably it it's it's probably one of the best fantasy stories of all time, and I would place it up against Tolkien anytime. 
so if you want a good read, um, something that's really easy and you can get through, take you, it'll take you a while because there's, there, there's, uh, was it three, six, nine, 12 books in all. Um, but uh, I would, I would go with David Eddings, the Bulgarian and the Malorian. Um, it, it, you, you will not be disappointed. And on the anime side, uh, like I said, like I mentioned before, um, I, in, Inuyusha has been around for a very, very long time. Um, and I've only just started getting to it because it's on Netflix and uh, it's the writing on it holds up. So the, the right, the, the animation's old, it's like, it's over 20 years old and I can't believe how good it is. So uh, that would be something if you're into anime at all, I would very, very strenuously suggest that you watch that one, like that one in Cowboy Bebop and a few others. I think, I think Inuyusha is like one of the classics. Cool. All right. I will recommend, as always, to make sure you check out SuperheroSpeak.com, where you can find the podcast every week. Comic book reviews by our good friend D-Square. And, um, all right, so so I got two recommendations. Um, the first one, I understand, ladies and gentlemen, if you're scared to go out to the polls in person and vote, uh, you're going to do get your absentee vote uh, ballot, fill it out and send it. That's what I did. I highly recommend. This is true story. Do not wipe down your ballot with disinfectant before you fill it out. Did you wipe down your ballot with disinfectant and smear everything? No, but oh, okay. so far a hundred ballots had to be destroyed in California because they were unreadable because people wiped them down with disinfectant. Oh, Jesus Christ! You know we got to get over this idea that people are going to get this virus by touching paper. That doesn't have like, pa- paper that's been mailed to them, which is, you know, like the uh, virus doesn't last that long a paper as it is. But if it's been in the mail for like more than 24 hours, there's no way. So if you want, so don't, like, don't eat the paper. How about yeah, that? <laughs> don't, don't lick it. Well, you don't know, you eat, have to lick them. <laughs> but don't eat your vote. Come on, man. Oh, they, they, they actually said on the news um, that all the ballots have been stuffed into the machine, stuffed into the envelopes by machine. So they weren't even touched by people before they went out other than yeah. you know your mail carrier touched the exterior envelope mm. but not what was on the inside so uh, i i will add to uh dave's uh recommendation um depending on what you state you're in find the directions for your your mail-in ballot yes and that's follow them closely because in pennsylvania like you it have has to, to be in the privacy envelope yeah if you put it in a privacy envelope and then put the privacy envelope in the other envelope and then you have to sign the thing and 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 I cannot stress this enough. Um, once you send your ballot in or hand it in, check the, the your your uh, county or state should have some kind of website where you can check on the status of your ballot. Uh, there is a lot of sh- chicanery going on right now, and they they are going to challenge like every ballot. And with mail-in ballots, the problem is the signature. People's signatures does not say the same from for your entire life or even from one year to the next. So check your websites, make sure your ballot gets counted. And if it doesn't, then contest it. Just because you didn't sign your name with an O the same way you did through three years ago when you signed the paper at the DMV doesn't mean that your ballot shouldn't get counted. So um, I'm going to the county courthouse. I'm going to throw my mask on and vote early. I live in a small town. You're you're lucky you can go and vote. If they had vote early in person here, I would do it. But this is Pennsylvania, so yeah. we. But we can get mail-in ballots without a reason. Well, anyway, this so. is why I'm going to just go vote in person because 
that way I know that I vote it. I know it'll get counted. Um, yep, I think that's a smart way to go. So, and then my other, my actual real recommendation, uh, I just discovered a very cool channel on YouTube. Um, Joey DiCarlo from So Wizard Recommended. Uh, Skatoon Network. Uh, it's a, an individual. He creates punk ska versions of songs and the majority of that the ones that he's done so far are themes from cartoon network oh nice Ooh. yes send, and, send the link man i want to see that and uh so yes it's 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 a lot of fun um i highly recommend uh if you want something different just got to check this guy out so on that note boys and girls as always thanks for listening and don't let you keep caught in the door have a good week